Hey everyone, this is Kathy Craig and you're listening to the Huddle Guide Podcast. Well, hello to episode two of the Huddle Guide Podcast where we are here to empower, equip, and encourage you to make disciples who make disciples. And we're here with Rob Elder today. He is the online pastor here at Mercy Road Church. And we're so excited to have you, Rob. Hey, I'm excited to be here with you. It's gonna be good. Yeah. So you are on our team of doing this podcast. Yes. How is that how has that been for you? It's been it's been fun. I mean we get to dive in, get creative and find ways to make this exciting and a great platform for people to, you know, learn about huddles and uh, it's been it's been fun. We've got just awesome people, Matt and Megan and uh, then yourself. And it's been, it's been a really fun time. Yeah. We have this saying around here that we don't know what we're doing, but we do it anyway. We're doing it anyways. Yeah. Isn't that cool? I love that we all just kind of come together and do it. Yep. The very very first pastor that I served under, literally every single thing he asked me to do, I'd never done anything before. And um, I quickly developed this phrase that's similar, that's just make it happen. And so all my team members, I always just tell them like, hey, we just have to have a make it happen attitude. We don't know what we're doing, but we're going to do it anyway. So yes, um, that is definitely what we do around here. And then the beauty of Mercy Road is then we grab a bunch of people and we're like, we don't know what we're doing, but we're doing it anyway. And so are you. And you're doing with us. Yes, it's awesome. Well, I am so excited to talk with you more because when I first came on staff here, you are one of the huddle gurus that really gave me a lot of wisdom as I was learning huddle and just gave me a lot of just inside knowledge of what it is to lead a huddle and what this looks like. And that really helped me do what I do now. And so I want to say thank you. And I can't wait to hear more. And I am excited for our listeners to hear what you can share with them that makes Huddle so profound for you and for the people that you lead in that. So we're going to learn more from you today. Um, Before we get into that, would you tell us a little bit about your story? How did you get here to Mercy Road? So um, I have been in ministry since I got out of high school, pretty much. I went to intern at a church uh, and was going to Bible college there as well. And they had an on-site Bible college that I was participating in. And um, shortly after I had finished college, I had this, uh, I had God speak to me and tell me that I was going to go to Indianapolis and plant a church. Wow. And um, I was actually driving past uh, Michigan Road where we have a location at right now. Yep. And um, I, I remember it clearly because there was there used to be a hotel there that had water slides in front of it, and I remember that was a spot where I that, know that where hotel. that happened. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting spot for a water park. Well, in it doesn't a hotel. exist anymore. Oh, it doesn't. No, no, it was totally like run down and abandoned, and then like they've cleared it now. Like the property wow. is completely cleared. Okay. So, but it's it, yes, but it was yeah. It's just like in the middle of nowhere. It's like bam. Here's a. Here's a water park. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so we were dri- I was driving through there. And uh, so I knew I was going to come to Indianapolis when I got married. Uh, I told my wife before we ever got married, I was like, 
you got to be on board with being in ministry and you got to be on board with moving to Indianapolis because she lived in Chicago uh, area uh, in Naperville and her family was there. And I knew that was going to be a big, a big thing. And she's like, I'm on board. We're, we're, we're doing it. So, yeah. well, here's what I want to know. Cause yeah. Anvita is going to be speaking with us and talking with us in a oh, few awesome. weeks. I'm so excited because I have a huge friend crush on Anvita. She's so wise and She's just so articulate and I, all the things, but I want to know what were the things she said you better be on board for if you're if you guys were going to get married. Oh my gosh, <laughs> um, the big I think the big thing for her is that her family is really important, and she told me if we were going to move to Indianapolis, we had to be going home to visit her family. Mm -hmm. That had to be a part of it. Um, the other thing is, and this was more of an unspoken, but with, with Invita, I just have to be on board with anything spontaneous. So, you know, if I'm going to, if I'm going to be married to this woman, I've got to, I got to be ready for anything to happen. So, yeah. um, those are probably the two biggest ones, but most importantly, it was really her family. So, yeah. 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 Yeah, I love that. And you do, you have such a tight knit family. And I love when I get to see Anvita and the kids and you're already here on Sundays and um, everybody comes in, grandma comes in. And yep, her grandmother lives with us. Yeah. Um, she's been in our house since our second of four children was born. Wow. Uh, so about, uh, I think he's seven now, he's turning eight this month. So she's been in our house for eight years yeah. and she's part of our family and you know, yeah. it's it's awesome, yeah. Yeah. I love it. Oh my goodness. Thanks for sharing that. But tell yes. us more about how so, you got here. I'm so, sorry. Yeah, no, we're, so we're, you know, so we're, we get married um, and then we save up for a house for the first year and we moved to Indianapolis because we're like, well, if we're going to buy a house, we might as well buy a house where we think God's calling us to be. Uh, really weren't ready to start the church yet. We had been reaching out to some different people uh, about getting started, but just knew that the timing just was not lining up. And I had reached out to uh, Josh and had talked to him, Josh, the pastor of our church here, and I had reached out to him uh, because he was planning a church at the same time that we we arrived here. And so we went out to lunch and um, I was just reading about over his website and some of the vision. And I was like, man, this is crazy how similar uh, some of the things are that he feels called to do and the things that I feel called to do. But... Um, and that we were both looking to start a church here in Indianapolis. So we just kind of went out to lunch and I told him like, man, when you're ready to start, let me know. I'm going to come visit your church, you know, help you have a great grand opening. You know, we'll just be some, some people in the seats cheering you on. And um, what ended up happening is uh, over a period of time, uh, you know, he was like, hey, he's like, if you're not starting anything right now, why don't you come help us? And so uh, to make a long story short, we got involved and uh, a few years later, uh, he asked me to come on staff and uh, came on staff. And then, um, you know, as I was praying about uh, coming on coming on staff here at Mercy Road, uh, I really felt like God was just showing me, it's like, hey, you, you came here to plant a church. You came here, uh, you know, to Indianapolis to do that. And you have been a part of that mm -hmm. for the last several years. And so, you know, that part of my journey, I don't know exactly what the next step is going to look like and whether I will actually launch out and do something else. But I do know that God called me to plant a church here in Indianapolis. And we've got a church right there on Michigan Road that we've helped to be a part of planting as well, totally. which I didn't even think God was telling me to plant it there. I just <laughs> knew he spoke to me there. Uh, but so it's, it's been really cool and, and, you know, seeing God speak those things. And then, you know, one interesting thing about the whole thing that just really opened my eyes was when we started giving 50% away of our resources here at the church. Oh yeah. That was something that God had really spoken to me about the church that I felt like God was telling me to 
plant was he's, I felt like he was telling me like, you should make your priorities match uh, what you feel like your vision is. And so if your vision is, is that people outside the church are just as important as the people inside the church, you should be giving your time, your money, your energy, just as much outside as you are in. Yeah. So with that, talk to us about how you got involved with discipleship huddles. So, um, the way that I got involved was that uh, Josh had invited me into his huddle that he was leading. Um, and I was really fascinated by the huddle to begin with because uh, Eric Maitland, our worship leader here, had already told me a little bit about it. And he was talking about these shapes and somehow they you know, help you remember things and you yes. teach these these insightful things about God. And, um, and I started asking questions and I remember he's just like, well, I can't really go into it. You know, it's kind of this mysterious <laughs> thing. I'm like, what are you talking about? So, you know, I was curious about it from that point of view, but I was also curious because one of the things on my heart is discipleship, even before I came to Mercy Road, because, um, I didn't grow up going to a church. Um, uh, my family really didn't do that. The only time I had been to church was at my grandparents on a few holidays, uh, and then I had a couple friends that invited me to church, but every single time I went to church was probably five times before I was 16. Uh, they gave a, they gave a, an altar call to receive Jesus, uh, uh-huh. as your Lord and savior. And every single time I said, yes, nobody invited wow. me back a second week. Uh-huh. And the one time that somebody did, uh, was at the church I grew, I grew up in when I was 16, uh, the youth pastor saw me give my heart to the Lord and raise my hand, uh, came up to me asked me if I had done that. And I said, yeah, I did. And she said, would you be willing to meet with me for eight weeks to teach you what the Christian faith is about? And we went through something kind of like uh, what we do at our church here called Rooted, where it's it's more of like an eight to 10 week overview of Christianity. And we went through that. Uh, There was a scripture to memorize every week. And, but it was the fact that I was invited back and that somebody poured into me one-on-one that I felt like changed the whole thing for me because I had, like I said, I had already been going. uh, I've been saying yes to go and I've been saying yes to Jesus, but I didn't have anyone investing into me to show me what that actually looked like. And uh, so when I, that was something that had always been on my agenda is like, what does discipleship look like? How could we implement that in, in the church? And uh, I was very curious about what Mercy Road was doing. And so Josh had invited me in and uh, it was it was an awesome experience for sure. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about the your initial discipleship experience was like a one-on-one mentorship kind of experience and then you're in a group experience. What were the differences between the one-on-one and then the group discipleship experience? And what was most valuable for you if if you care to share that sure. and why? So uh, the one-on-one uh, was, was good because, um, I mean, I didn't know anything about God at all, like almost nothing. I knew there was a Bible. I didn't know what the little colon meant between the two numbers. Yeah. I didn't know how that was going to help me find anything in the Bible. Um, I, one story I like to tell is like the youth pastor asked me on week two, like who is he in the scripture and the scripture was, he is the light of the world. And I said, it was Satan. And everyone in the room was like, (laughs) like I knew I had no clue. Like she thought she was throwing me a softball because it was a capital H. I'm like, that means nothing to me. Like I just did not know anything. So 
you know, I got to ask a lot of really dumb questions and not feel dumb at all. That's so cool. Uh, so being in that one-on-one experience, I think that helped me a lot. Yeah. Um, part of it was also memorizing the order of all the books in the Bible. Wow. And I just remember her laughing at the, some of the names that I came up with for some of these books because I'd never even heard them spoken before. Yes. So like, I'm just making up like, you know, um, I don't even remember what some of them were, but just making up funny names for some of these books. And she's like, Oh, I can see how you kind of came up with that. And I'm like, oh, that must be way wrong. So that's um, so cool that so, she just gave you that space to just yes. discover. Yes. Yeah. And so that was, I think that was a big deal. I, um, outside of that, I would say that, you know, just the intentionality that somebody took the time was important. And, um, you know, and I was committed to learning what the material, you know, whatever was in the material, whatever was in the book, whatever the thing we had to memorize. Um, so it was impactful. I think whether you're in a group or whether you're, you're being discipled one-on-one, I think that there's the value, you, the value you're going to get into out of it is what you actually put into it. Yes. And, um, you know, it was something that I really wanted. And um, I do think I got a lot out of it for the group side of it. Um, I think that there's also something to be said about shared experiences. I think there's something to be said about learning through what somebody else is going through and you not always being the spotlight of what's being learned. Um, So, and then also the different perspectives. And so, you know, just hearing different people process the same information and what they're getting out of it and how it's different than even the person that's, that's doing the discipling or the teaching. Um, I found that to be really, really rewarding. Um, and I think it also, it just gave me a broader perspective on some of the things that we were, that we were going through. Absolutely. I know in the huddle guide and just the way that we encourage huddle leaders to facilitate their huddles, it's in a group and that's based off of Jesus discipling the disciples and that he had 12, he didn't have one. And uh, I do, I think that's a big part of what I experience with huddles is the dynamic exploration and just how people are processing Jesus and the word. And we get to be students of each other. Um, And that is a profound thing. We get to bounce things off of each other and see the world, the depth and the breadth of the world that God created and the stories that he's given us. It's pretty profound. Yeah. And I love the celebration at the end, like just the, you know, having, you know, committing that year, year and a half, whatever that period of time is and getting through it and then being able to, you know, and some of the huddles I've led, we, we usually go out for dinner. We just kind of mm-hmm. hang out for the last night and just do something fun or go see a movie before the pandemic. We would always have like a movie night, go do something fun. Um, now it's like, is there anything in the theater? I don't know. <laughs> uh, but we would go do something fun. And, you know, oftentimes like people just don't even want to quit. They're just yeah. like, well, let's keep meeting. Let's go on forever. And it's like, well, you know, there's, there's a time, there's a time to invest in the, in the next generation of people that need to be huddled as well. But, um, but it's fun to see how close people get during that time. And, and yeah. the ex, you know, they've experienced a year together, the ups and the downs of things that have happened in life together uh, and the deeper bonds that have been formed. And for people in the church, it's like, now I know those people on a different level. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, Ethan Fernhaber was in my huddle. Luke Edgerton was in my huddle. Wow. You know, a guy named Mark Talamentes. And I know some of these guys uh, may not, 
be people that the people listening maybe know these people, but to me, those people, there's there's a story behind those people. Absolutely. You just know what you're doing and why you're doing things. So could you share a little bit about your process of making sure everyone is having an opportunity to lead and learn from each other? I, I think for me, part of it came because it, it, more of like a coping mechanism a little bit or uh, to compensate for a weakness that I had in my own life. Because one of the things I learned early on in leadership is, you know, I may not be the, the wildest, funnest, like, you know, coolest guy, like in the whole bunch. Yes, you are. I, don't, don't go there. Well, you I appreciate that. But at Your the same time. Your hat is cooler than anything I would <laughs> ever wear. Just, so you know, he's wearing a hat and it's cool. It's a Chicago Bears hat. So that is super cool if you're listening to Way to, to go, this. Cubs. But um, the, uh, but, it, so I realized that in leading teams, I'm a very intense person. And I know you'll, you'll agree with that. Yes. But I'm, I'm a very intense, like I, I want us, I want us to all uh, succeed and do it together and have a great time doing it. But having a great time doing it may not, wasn't my greatest strength, uh, especially, especially early on um, in leading anything, uh, you know, when I was on staff at churches, not even the huddles. So what I realized was, is number one, I can talk a lot if I want to, and that's not that interesting. And number two, there are other people that are really fun and let's just play off of that and let's allow them some room to do that. And so Mm -hmm. by sharing, um, it actually gave a little more weight to the words that I, I did when I did need to say something, it, it gave it more weight. Yeah. And so I, I learned that kind of early on that, you know, save the most important things for what you have to say um, and allow other people to say some of the things that we're all already thinking, mm-hmm. you know, share that with other people and give them a voice, let them speak into some things, let them share their heart behind it. They're, you know, they'll give a fresh perspective, which is great. Um, so that's kind of, that's kind of where some of that came from, at least for me, or why I do things in those ways. Yeah. Um, in the huddle, though, you know, you're going to be with, you know, at least in the way that we're doing our huddles, you know, it's about a 90-minute, usually 90-minute night. Um, nobody needs to hear anybody speak for 90 minutes. I mean, totally. especially on a week-to-week basis, like— uh-uh. You know, you might be interesting, but I think after week three, I'm like, I, I'd probably rather not come. Um, so it's yeah. just finding ways to get everyone participating, keep everyone engaged, um, give people, you know, allow people to have a platform to share their ideas. Um, and, you know, and then again, once people share those things, you don't have to repeat it. I don't have to follow them up and say, well, let me say it in my own words. Like, yeah. you know, it's already been said, so we all heard it. I can just say, that's excellent. I'm with you on that. And everyone will see that as authoritative for what the person said, like, oh yeah, the, you know, whoever's leading that huddle, they agree. So that's must be the way we see it in the huddle. You know, they're learning yeah. from whoever's teaching. So um, it's just a way to it's a way to keep people engaged and to make it more dynamic and give people more of a voice uh, in the group. Yeah. It's such an organic way of um, affirming people and helping them find their voice as teachers, because the biggest pushback that I get from people, um, especially after they go through huddle and I'll approach them and say, okay, I really want you to lead a huddle now. I want you to disciple people. And they'll say, well, I'm not a teacher. I don't have the gift of teaching. And the whole point is that, yeah, you may not have that gift, but we've all been given the command to go and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and from Matthew. And a lot of us are just very hesitant to actually do it. 
But in the huddle experience, when you can organically and just uh, be able to point something out and say, that was so excellent. And it was something that they said in their own words. It really does give them that, that confidence of, oh, I can do this. Yeah. And, and by the end of, by the end of a year of doing that, they're getting so many reps because there's opportunities, there's opportunities for them to teach too. It's not like they get to the end of the huddle and it's like, okay, I got to take all this information I've learned and I've got to figure out how to put that into my own words. And I got to figure out how to show that to people. They've been doing it the whole time. They've been up at the board, you know, teaching the same chase. You know, we teach it the first time. Then we put other people up to the board, have them go teach it. And we fill in some of the gaps of maybe some things that were missing. So they take a few more notes, learn a little bit more about it. And so uh, there's a leadership component and a, 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 a training aspect of, you know, you're learning how to teach and you're getting practice mm -hmm. week after week after week. And that builds confidence. And really, um, another thing that I try to tell people on my team is confidence comes from experience. If you're, it comes yes. from experience and it comes from competency. If you've done it a bunch of times, you're going to be better at it. Mm -hmm. And if you're better at it, you're, you should feel more confident in it. And if you've never done it, but you're good at it, you might have some nerves, but once you've done it a lot of times, uh, you should you should have some confidence, you know, yeah. like, hey, you know, and, and if not, then Kathy will come and just say, <laughs> look, you can do this. Go out there and do it. And, you know, we'll pat you on the back and encourage you. Um, but that's what you're that's that's part of the whole process of the huddle. And that's that's one of the things about uh, the 3DM model uh, yeah. that that we've been a part of that I love so much is that that apprenticing is taking place. You're not just getting, you know, you're not just learning material and then getting set free and say, go figure it out now without, you know, you've had the practice the whole time. Yes. And now it's just like, you're ready. Yeah. Go for it. Absolutely. And I love another thing that we say around here and you were touching on it before is that the more you lead huddle, the better you get at Absolutely. it. Oh, for sure. Yes. For sure. I will tell you, like, I, um, I'm, I love the huddles that I lead. Like I'm, I'm proud of what we do. I think it's a great experience. Um, I, the people that leave it are like, man, this is great. Fantastic. You know, good feedback. But I'm telling you the first huddle that I led is nothing like the seventh huddle. And literally every single huddle that I have been a part of has, has iterated on the previous one. So what I, one of the things I'll do is at the end of every year, uh, at the beginning of every year, I write out a list of goals. Like these are the, th like if I could get these things into my people that wow. are being discipled, that will be a successful year. And then all year long, I'm trying to, you know, whether it's, you know, reading the Bible daily or, mm -hmm. you know, learning how, how to pray and see God move through prayer, not just pray empty prayers, but to see God answer prayers and to pray the heart of God into a situation um, or to hear from God or to, uh, you know, whatever, whatever the thing is on the list, you know, I put that list together and at the end of the year, I'm like, okay, well, I put seven things down. I think four of them went really, really well. Right. What am I going to do with these other three? Okay. And then I go into my next huddle and I'm like, okay, let's figure out some ideas of, you know, how could we, how could we do this different? Um, one of them was worship one year. It's like, okay. I, I want people to learn more about worship because like, it's like one of the main things that you see throughout all of scripture, these sacrifices and worship and the offerings and, you know, just devoting your life to Christ. And, you know, it's all of it is an act of worship. Mm -hmm. And um, so we were, we were doing um, nights of worship called Encounter a couple years ago. Uh, 
And on those night of worship nights, I said, we're going to miss huddle those weeks and we're going to go worship. And we're going to just take a hands-on, you know, get in the middle of worship. And then we're going to talk about it the next week as a part of our huddle. Like, you know, what was God showing you? Like, how did you connect with him? And, you know, teach people about worship. I can't, I, you know, I can play a guitar. I definitely am not going to be singing uh, on a mic anytime soon. Uh, so <laughs> that was a way to kind of take everyone on a field trip. And we got to do that you know, four times, I think, during that year. Um, and so I iterated that year. Um, and then right. the next year, you know, there's other things and you keep making notes. And definitely, you know, the more times you do it, the better you get. And, you know, for me, uh, the the more excited I get about it too. So uh, yeah. it's, it, I, I tell people that if you don't lead a huddle, uh, you've already missed out on the best huddles because the best huddles are not the ones you go through. They're the ones that you lead. I'm like, oh, so man. if you don't lead one, you've already missed out on the best huddle you'll ever go through. Um, and then, that. and then the second thing I tell them is I'm like, if you don't do it twice, you're never going to know how good you could be. I'm like, you should definitely, you know, you definitely need to commit to, to, to practicing and getting yeah. better at it because you will, you'll learn a lot from that first year. You'll, mm -hmm. you know, it's one thing when somebody else is in charge and they're, they're, they're handing you the baton and saying, here, carry this for a little while. Right. It's another thing when you're the one who carries the weight of that baton. And so, um, if you're the, if you're really the one leading that team, um, you know, those adjustments have to be made by you, not by the leader. And so it takes, it takes some adjusting. And if it doesn't start the way you want, or if it doesn't end the way you want, well, you only start once, you only end once, you need a second rep. You got to get back out there and, and give it another try. Yes. It reminds me the first year that I came out of college and I started teaching right away, I was the worst teacher that year. I mean, I feel terrible for those kids. God bless them. I mean, I really think they knew that I loved them, but I think they also knew that I had to take my licks a little bit. You know, I had to fail, fail forward. And you're right. If if I wouldn't have had the the incredible opportunity to learn alongside kids as you know, they taught me as much as I right. taught them. And uh, if I hadn't stuck it out after that first year, you know, you could, you could just like lick your wounds and be like, Oh, but you do, you have to, you have to constantly be reflecting and moving well, forward. Well, in other areas of life, we would give ourselves permission. You don't sit down at a piano and just start playing Beethoven. I mean, absolutely, or, or even writing Beethoven, yeah. you know, I mean, you expect, I got to take, you know, I got to, I got to get, I got to get up to bat several times. I got to practice. You know, most people that teach on a stage on a Sunday morning, they didn't, you know, they might be great speakers now, but did you hear their first message? Probably oh, not. Totally. You know, they've had a lot of reps at it before they have the opportunity to, to lead, uh, you know, at that greater capacity. So, you know, we just got to give ourselves permission. Yeah. You know, it's okay. Um, I read a, you mentioned failing forward, but there's uh, there's a book by John Maxwell, I believe it called Failing Forward. Okay. And um, I hated the book. I, the premise of the book, I just completely hated it because <laughs> he basically says like, anytime you do something new, just expect you're going to fail. And I'm like, why would I want to fail why? at anything? Yes. Like, why don't I just learn a bunch as I'm starting and avoid all the failures? Like that would be a better plan to me. Yeah. Because I don't like to fail at anything. Yeah. Um, and so, but I'm reading it and what he said is he's like, he's like, nobody's good at, at a new job. They're always going to make mistakes. You're going to set something on fire. You're going to knock something over. You're, yeah. you know, you're going to do something that some people are going to be like, why did you do that? He's like, you just need to give yourself, 
you know, a number, just put a number out there. I get 30 failures at the beginning of this new job, or I get 70 failures, whatever you think you need. You know, some of us may need a few more, Uh, but you put that out there. And then when you fail the 10th time, you're like, well, I kind of expected I was going to fail 30 times. So like, right. I'm, I'm right on course right now. That's and so good. You give yourself permission and then it allows you to kind of get over the the learning curve and to get through that. And you're like, oh yeah, I am starting to figure this out. We all just need a little bit of time. So, yes. you know, just giving yourself some grace, but I, I do like the concept a little bit. I don't like the idea of intentionally allowing yourself to fail, but right. I do like the idea that we probably do need a little bit of grace. Okay, here's a good one. How do you regularly engage with the Bible? What does that look like for you? So the last couple of years, I've been doing a one-year reading plan. Yep. And uh, I try to start my day that way, but okay. probably about 75% of the time, it's the, the end of the day. Okay. So it's either the beginning of the day or the end of the day. Um, and usually it's about 20 minutes um, of reading, um, plus some prayer time, mm-hmm. uh, a couple minutes of prayer, not usually a long time. Um, and sometimes I'll even listen to it in the car, yep. uh, on my way into work. Sometimes, uh, I will, usually it's on the way into work, yeah. uh, during breakfast or before bed. Those yeah. are the, those are the three locations for me. Yes. I hear you a hundred percent. I listen to the Bible on my way in to work in the morning or wherever I'm going in the morning. Uh, and I think like for the, just how technologically inclined we are now as a culture, I think it's, it's a good thing for people to know, Hey, you can pull it up on your app and play it and listen to it. I in probably the car. actually, out of the one year, out of the whole year of reading, probably about 75% of it, I have headphones in while yeah. I read it. So I, I either I'm listening in the car or I'm listening and following along while I read. Yeah. Um, but I usually am doing both. I'm actually not very good at reading, uh, first of all, very quickly. And also yep. I, I go back and reread a lot of times. Yeah. And so uh, it helps me to stay on track with the words by actually having someone read it to me because- yeah. I don't have to worry about the lines. Yeah. And then the words just kind of help me reinforce, give, you know, you're hearing it, you're seeing it, you know, yeah. get a little bit more reinforced. Especially when it gets to those tricky names. Oh yeah. I was interested to hear too. I'm like, <laughs> they say it the way I would say it. Yes. I was just reading in Judges or listening to in Judges this morning and and Deborah uh, partners up with, I always said Barack, but the person who was reading the Bible to me this morning said Barak. I still like Barack because in Ethiopia, that's that's how you say it. You say I wonder Barack. if they even really say them right either because yeah. I'm like I'm like you're probably just guessing on some of these yeah. two. Yeah, I don't know. They don't probably know have either. the phonetic right in front of them, but totally. I still imagine sometimes they say it. I'm like, there's no way that's the way it's supposed to be said. Absolutely. So all you, um, if you're with us and you're like, I can't read all those names, just listen to it and see what they say, and you know, just know you're not alone in that. I love that. Okay, last but not least, what are you grateful for right now? I'm grateful for an awesome wife right now. And I don't just say that because she's getting ready to come on, um, although that's a nice benefit. But um, I just, you know, one of the things I always tell Invita is like I never never prayed for, like I prayed for someone that would love God, that would be fun to be around. But she was so much more than anything I ever asked God for. You know, she... um, one, she has been incredibly supportive of me. Anything I've ever done in ministry, she is, she's 
said yes immediately. Wow. She sacrificed whatever she had to do for me to go to be able to do it. Yep. She's been on board with and not just saying it, but like meaning it. Yeah. Like she she has really been supportive and it's been, uh, I've done some business stuff outside of the church as well. And she's been ultra supportive of that. Um, you know, right now she actually, uh, she really wanted to pick up uh, some more time at work, these extra shifts. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't, I don't think we need to do it. Yeah. But she really wanted to do it. And I said, okay, we'll do it. And she's still fine. Like she's tired. She's got these extra shifts and she's, yeah. I'm like, you know, she brought, you know, she brought in some stuff I left from home today and I'm like, you should be home sleeping. Oh. But that's just who she is. Like she, um, she, she has does been, night shifts as a nurse, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. So she comes home, she's tired. She's already been up for 13, 14 yeah. hours. And then she's driving, which is another reason why mm -hmm. I prefer not to drive it to me. But, um, but I was super thankful. And uh, I don't know. I just, uh, I guess I just appreciate a lot of, you know, the sacrifice that she's been willing to give to, to our family to help yeah. us uh, serve God and love God and, and love each other. And it's been good. So yeah. I cannot wait to sit with her and record this podcast with her because I, like I said, I have a friend crush on her. I, I think I have so much to learn from her and she just exudes wisdom and faithfulness and strength and courage and, I'm just, yeah, I'm glad you, I'm glad that that's the person that you're most grateful for because yep. she's kind of, she has this like legendary, you know, picture in my head. So, and Vita, she is legendary. she's coming. Yep. Don't tell her that. She won't like that, but she is. She really is. And Vita, you heard that. You are legendary. That's awesome. I love it. Rob, to conclude us, would you pray for us? Absolutely. Thank you. Father, we just want to, uh, just thank you so much for the love that you have for each one of us and the grace that you have for us. And I thank you for all the gifts and the talents that you uh, gave to us to use for your kingdom. And uh, I just pray, Lord, that you would help us to be good stewards of everything that you've given us, the knowledge about you, the relationship that we have with you, the relationship we have with others, the talents, the time. And uh, I pray that we would just use those things for your kingdom and your glory. Um, I pray that you would give us courage uh, to step out in faith when we need to take risks. And I pray, God, that you would uh, always provide all of our needs as we step out uh, and take those risks, Lord. We do all these things for your kingdom, and we love you. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. See you soon. Thanks for listening to the Huddle Guide podcast. You can find show notes and a link to a deeper dive experience right here in the description. And thanks to our team who makes this podcast happen here at Mercy Road Church. Rob Elder, Matt Mellinger, Megan Mellinger, Jenna Cruzy, and myself, Kathy Craig. We can't wait to see you for the next episode of the Huddle Guide podcast.